All right. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing that it brings and the light in the darkness. Lord, that we can come to you through your word. That we can understand you. That we can know how much you love us. Lord, I ask right now that your word would penetrate each and every one of us. Lord, especially my heart. As, um, Lord, we all go through the many trials of life and we seek your blessing. We seek your advice, Lord. We seek your guidance. Light our path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, guys, um, many times when you get a guest speaker that comes, and I've seen it, you know, in Africa, I've seen it here, you get a guest speaker and it seems like a lot of times they're speaking on going through trials and going through tribulations and and how hard it is to to have that Christian walk. And so today, I'm going to speak on the same thing. <laughs> but, you know, I'm guilty of, I believe, and I don't know if guilty is the right word, but I tend to not read some portions of the Bible as much as I should. Like, even in, even the New Testament, I love the book of Psalms. And so that's what I read most of the time is the book of Psalms because there's so much wisdom and so much guidance. And it's such a encouragement to me to see the trials that David went through and how he handled them and how his heart is a lot like our hearts. And we're going to see today in how David in two sentences can praise God and then accuse Him <laughs> of, of, of things. And it's literally just two sentences. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 43 today, guys. And Psalm 43 is... David wrote Psalm 43 on the occasion of his flight from his kingdom, from his son, Absalom, when Absalom overthrew him and he had to flee. And you know, this was a, a really a fulfillment of prophecy in a way because if you remember when the people demanded a king and God said, fine, here's Saul. He's going to be your king. The reason that the people demanded a king was because they said it. We want a king just like the other nations. And so, what happened in those other nations with their kings? They had sons and multiple sons that were trying to kill them, overthrow the kingdom. They wanted to be king. And so, God gave them what they wanted. And here we see 
really kind of a fulfillment of that prophecy. This is what you get with a king. You get a son that tries to kill his father and overthrow him so he could be king. And so David wrote this psalm upon uh, his flight from Absalom. You know, sometimes I always wondered, when did David have the time to, you know, hey guys, I know we're running from Absalom, but i got to write this psalm. Let's start the campfire and let me write this down. I don't know. But David blesses me with, with the psalms that he wrote. And and so, we can think, and everybody has different trials, and we can think that our trials are, are very great and oppressive. And you know what? To each of us, they are. They are great trials and, and sometimes oppressive. And they weigh on us and it seems like we're carrying a literal weight on our shoulders. And I've been through things that you guys haven't been through. You guys have been through things that I haven't been through. And so we all have these different trials. And you know, if you look at David, David's life after his uh, firstborn died with Bathsheba, God told David, you know, you're forgiven. But your family life is going to be a mess in the future. And, and, and it was. David, you know, although David had ups and downs like we do, by and large, David's life was a mess after that. He had rape within his own family, um, trying to be overthrown by his sons. Just all this horrible family life that God said he would have. And so we're going to look at Psalm 43 and see what David uh, prays because this is really a prayer. And it's also a prayer for us as we go through our trials. So Psalm 43, verse 1, short psalm. And this is New King James Version. Vindicate me, O God. King James Version says, Judge me, O God. And plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Now remember, David, he's not just got Absalom trying to overthrow him. Absalom raised a very large army. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. And I find it interesting, you know, that David, he didn't say, Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust son. He said, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. And, and if you read the, uh, the entire account of what happened, at no time does David ever speak a word of anger, of bitterness, of hate, nothing like that against his son, Absalom. As a matter of fact, he just says, God, if it's your will to take my kingdom from me, then it's your will. If it's your will to give me my kingdom back, then it's your will. And he, and he never, ever speaks against Absalom. 43 verse 2, he says, For you are <coughs> the God of my strength. 
And here we see David in two sentences. For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Two sentences. He praises God and then he asks him a question. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And guys, this should be an encouragement to us. These kind of prayers, they don't offend God. God knows what's in our heart. And if, you, and, and if you're feeling that in your heart, voice it to God. He already knows it. <laughs> you might as well voice it. People come to me quite often and they say, Chuck, I just I don't know how to pray. Can can you teach me how to pray? And my answer is always the same. Do you have a best friend that you can that you can confide in? Do you have somebody, your mom or or a, a good friend that you can call up on the phone and just pour your heart out to? Well, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's how you pray. God is that best friend. He is that ultimate confider that you can confide in. There's no... People will get this in their head that there's a proper way to pray and use these words. And, 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 and you know, I've, I've, known, um, I've known some people that pray in the King James Version. And... and that's okay too. I mean, God doesn't. God understands the King James a lot better than I do. <laughs> but however we pray, guys, you know, David just he poured out his heart to God, and that's all God wants from us. And and, and remember, even though even though David is saying. You're the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? God still looks at David as a man after his own heart. And so we shouldn't be afraid to ask God these questions. God, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't feel like this is going anywhere. I see no end to this trial. And I don't see how you can end it in a good way. Those are questions that I ask God myself. And although God knows my heart, like I said, God wants to hear it from me. He wants to hear me voice my heart to Him. Verse verse 3 in Psalm 43, David says, Oh, send out your light. In your truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Again, David is not being a selfish man, although in the past, in his in his past, before he came became the the literal king of Israel. David became a very humble king. He made his mistakes, but we see how humble he is on the run from Absalom. He says, "Let send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. He's not saying, 
let them bring me back to my kingdom. And let them bring me back to everything that I owned. God, I need my kingdom back. He's saying, bring me back to the temp- tent of meeting. Bring me back to that, to that mountain where your, where your, your temple will be in the future because God wouldn't let David build him a temple. But yet they had the tent of meeting. They had the, the, the tabernacle that was uh, the same as in the wilderness. And that is where David wants to go. He wants to be led back to the, to the holy hill, to the tabernacle where he can praise God and thank Him for His goodness, for His graces and His mercies. Although David, it would seem, would not have a lot of thankfulness in his heart at this time. And in 2 Samuel 22, verse 29, again, David He says, For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. And guys, we can we can have those times where we feel like we're in darkness and where we feel like we just can't see an end to whatever it is we're going through. But God is there to lighten our darkness if we seek Him. Remember the Bible says, I will draw close to you if you draw close to me. And we need to draw closer to the Lord. Psalm 23, verse 4. We're all familiar with Psalm 23. Yea, and again, this is David. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, and you know, guys, there's two things here. We are all, every one of us, under the shadow of death. And, and notice, David doesn't say that he is dying. He's under death. He's he's literally being covered with death. He's saying the shadow of death. We all live under the shadow of death, don't we? We're all going to die. I think, unless there's a superhero in here somewhere that's going to live forever, but that's not me. But we all live under the shadow of death. But just like David, David says, for you are with me, and God is with us too. And though though we have the shadow of death hanging over us, that physical death, we also have that hope in the resurre- of the, the resurrection and eternal life. And David knew that. You can see in the Psalms where David writes of resurrection. And he writes of standing before God on the earth. And Job does the same thing. Job writes a prophecy of the resurrection. For yet I know... Job says, and this is a paraphrase, I know my I know my flesh is going to rot away, but yet I know that I will stand on the earth in my flesh and praise God. That's a prophecy of the resurrection. And Job is supposed to be the oldest book in the Bible. And so we see these things. And so we all are under the shadow of death, but we need not fear it. 
because we know as Christians we've got that hope and that promise of eternal life. And David says, For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and a staff, these are two things. A shepherd used his rod to like, you know, stupid sheep, right on the head. You know, David's kind of saying that, you know. (laughs) You know, Lord, sometimes I need that rod to get me back in line, knock me on the side of the head, get me back on the path. And then the staff, you know, the staff indicates that that's what the shepherd would use to lead the sheep to walk. And so David's saying, your rod and your staff comfort me. And it's the same same for us. That poking and prodding of the rod and the, and the staff, the shepherd walking and leading the way. And of course, David... When he writes, he sends, says, oh, send out your light and your truth. And that's, you know, for us, our light and our truth, Jesus Christ is our light and our truth. And David goes on, 43, 4, <clears throat> Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you, O God. My God. And you know, guys, I confess that sometimes God is not always my exceeding joy when I take my eyes off of Him and I focus too much on what's going on in my temporal and in, in human life and my eyes get away from God. That is when God ceases to be my exceeding joy. And we all have our ways of of seeking God. When I'm when I'm feeling down, when I'm going through something, nothing lifts me up more than listening to some good worship music. That is what encourages me uh, probably the most other than reading God's Word. But God, when I look away from Him, He's, he's not my exceeding, exceeding joy. I mean, He still is, but I'm forgetting it. And and you know right now I'll just really briefly um, share some things that I'm going through, and then I want to compare them to uh, some things that make my trials look like a tiny little speck bump in the road. And so, you know, right now with my job, um, I'm under, <laughs> I don't know what you would call it. Some some people in supervision above me, they really don't um, like me, although I'm one of the best employees that they have. And I believe they're trying to uh, force me to quit through... Um, and I've seen this in this organization before. They try to put people under such stress that they go out on stress leave and then, and then they never come back. And it's like, whatever happened to, you know, so and so. And I'm under that kind of pressure right now. But guys, we got, we've got to remember, we've got to remember, and I want to say it again, we've got to remember that when God allows these trials in our lives, 
I want to cut and run. I'm telling you, I just want to go in and say, you know what? Fine. I know, I know you guys don't like me. I, and I'm pretty sure I know why, but I'm not going to get into that. But I know you guys want to get rid of me, so fine. I'm out of here. But you know what? God is allowing this trial in my life for a reason. And if, and if I cut and run, I'm, I'm, I'm not allowing God to, to grow me in the way that He may want to grow me in. And so it's important for us to, to see our trials through to the end, as bad as they may get. And you know what? God will end this trial the way He wants to end it. I may go to work Monday morning and they may say, you're done, you're fired. Okay with me. But anyways, <laughs> I, I am... I am going to see this trial through so that God can do what He wants to do. And we have to do that with our trials. God wants to grow us all in in some way. The hardest trial I'm dealing with and I've had to deal with is 17 years of, of uh, heartbreak dealing with a prodigal child. And that trial continues to this day. We're into 17 plus years. God wants to grow me more through this trial. I should be 40 feet tall by now. <laughs> through through that growth, I don't know what else He wants to do, but He wants to do something else. And, and, and you know, I, it gives me it gives me hope to. Um, and, and you know, you guys from Pine Ridge, you know, when when you come here and I see and I see you guys that are on fire for the Lord, and and you guys are older than my daughter, it gives me hope to see you guys have gone through what you've gone through, and you've made it, and, and God has brought you through those trials, and now you're on fire for God, and it gives me hope that one day my daughter is going to get through what she's going to be going through, and she's going to be on fire like you guys. And so it just, you, you guys build me up and, and you give me encouragement and I, and I love it and I love you guys too. But we've got to let God do what He, what He's going to do. I, and, and this was a little bit of a crushing blow for me in the past few weeks. Um, I began the process of going back to Africa for three weeks this coming August to teach the chaplains again. I really wanted to go back and, and, um, and, and see my brothers that are still there and, and teach again. But being that I'm not within the ministry, with it, with the ministry anymore, I have to go through the regular process of somebody that is going to go teach for a couple of weeks. And so I got the application from Far Reaching Ministries and, um, as most of you guys or many of you guys know, I've I've had a lot of health problems since I came back from Africa the last time. And part of the application process is having your doctor or doctors, in my case two doctors, um, sign me off so I can go. And neither one of them would. They said no. Um, we don't think it would be healthy for you to go back to Africa and so, you know what? God allowed that. I truly believe that. And so, 
David writes, and this just fits in perfectly, in verse 5, it's the end of the psalm, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? You know, disquieted, that means anxiety. David had a lot of anxiety and, and his soul was disquieted within him. And I know we all go through those periods of anxiety when when um, we're worried and there's really nothing that we can do to change it through our worry. And David gives us the answer, hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance. And you know the word countenance means the presence of your face. You know, I could walk around like this all the time. And sometimes I feel like it. But God gives us that countenance. He gives us that strength, you know, that David's talking about to, to walk around and, and have that countenance of God on our face. Let, let our face shine for God as we're going through the trials that we go through. Because God is, um, He's allowing these things. And, <laughs> and as we close, I just, you know, well, I'll, 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 I'll close with that in a little bit, but I want to just compare the trials that we go through to things that make, can make our trials look a little bit, um, for me, make my trials look a little bit embarrassing. And so let's remember that trials are relative and that the trials that we go through are related to our personal lives. And guys, I'm not trying to minimize in any way our trials. But let's look at the world. Iraq, Syria, Iran, Morocco, Somalia. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it last week. It didn't even make the news. Didn't even make the news. Over a thousand Christians killed by Boko Haram in Kenya. Many of them, af- many of them cooked alive. They were, they were, they were Christians. Not all of them were Christians. Some were probably Muslims. That, that, that Boko Haram, the, you might as well call them ISIS or Al Qaeda, they're all the same. They're just different letters of the alphabet. And they're in the business of following the teachings of Muhammad to the letter, which is kill the infidel, behead him, burn him alive. That's what they're doing. That's what Muhammad teaches. And so that didn't even make the news. The children in Iraq being beheaded, little kids being sold into prostitution, um, these are trials that those kind of trials aren't touching us, guys. Amen. And you know the thing about <clears throat> the thing about these um, ISIS and Al Qaeda and Boko Haram and and the Taliban. You know they're just as apt to kill Muslims as they are Christians. If if you are not following the words of Muhammad to the letter and killing all infidels, then 
although you're a Muslim, you're an infidel. And so they're killing them too. And and so it's just it's just horrible situations. And I and I always have to remember and I always have to recall the things that other people a lot of Christians are going through in this world and, and just bring myself back down to earth and put my things into perspective. Our trials that we go through, they count. They matter to us. They matter to me. People that confide in me, your trials matter to me. They do. But sometimes I have to bring myself back down to earth and thank God that I can walk out of here and not and not worried not worry about being shot for being a Christian. The one thing I wanted to say as we close <laughs> sometimes you know, sometimes I see um, all these little uh, I don't know what you call them these little some of them are refrigerator magnets a lot of them get posted on Facebook and and, and they are words of encouragement don't get me wrong but, the, but, but those little sayings like when God closes the door he's going to open a better one and so you get my you get my drip, my gist of of all those little things, and, and they're encouraging. They are, but you know what? Sometimes God doesn't open a better door. <laughs> he just doesn't. <laughs> they aren't having better doors opened in Iraq and in these these countries, and it's the same for us. You know, I may go through this trial with with my prodigal daughter for for the rest of my life. And in some ways I probably will because my wife and I are raising, pretty much raising her children. And so that's going to continue. And and so I'm not saying that's a, that, that's a bad thing. I love my granddaughters uh, so much. But we have to be put things in perspective. You know, some, sometimes God, we, we need to look back at history at some of the martyrs. You know, although martyrdom is a good door to have opened, that was the door that was opened for them. There was persecution, 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 prison for years upon years, and then death. God doesn't always, as 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 He did for uh, uh, Peter. God doesn't always shake the prison walls and burst the chains. <laughs> Sometimes we stay we we stay where we're at, and and so we just have to put things in perspective. I'm not saying God is is um, not merciful or anything, but we have to look at our trials in the way that God wants to grow us, and and not run, not cut and run from our trials. Um, we are really literally limiting God when we say, can't handle it, I'm out of here. Um, God wants to grow us. If I would have ran from some of my trials when I first became a Christian, I'd still be running and I wouldn't have the relationship with the Lord that I have. Plain and simple. So let's pray. 
Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for this good food, Lord, and the fellowship. I thank You for all these men. Lord, that got out of bed early to come here and um, and to study Your Word, Lord. I pray that in some way Your Spirit has used Your Word to penetrate each and every one of us in the way that You want to penetrate us, Lord in the way that you want to teach us. Lord, we come to you in um, thanksgiving and praise, not for our trials, Lord, but for the growth that you will uh, use those trials to change us, to be more like you, Lord. Your word says that as Christians, to be made like you, we must suffer. Because you suffered. And so, Lord, encourage us and guide us. Teach us through your word, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.